Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Steve Rosenblum. We suck, so your self-quarantine doesn't have to. Mark Grody. I think there will be lasting derivatives of this once we get through it, and hopefully we will, um, with minimal damage that um, people will be more aware, honestly, of washing their hands and um, and apparently wiping. Apparently wiping. They suck, so you don't have to. They can do what they have to do. They know what they have to do. Now they don't have any problem getting it done. Founding members of the WB Club. Wake and bake. Come on. Where's Toby? So I'm practicing, you know, social distancing and... I have a few tips for everybody, you know, you know, no sharing pipes or joints, things like that. The three words that describe this show, and I quote, stink, stank, stunk. It's Saturday suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Good morning, welcome in. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde, Saturday Suckage. We suck so you don't have to. Mark, Mark, how are you today? Mark, hello. I'm doing well. I have a question for you, Stevie Sunshine. We're going to get into hardcore bears here, but whose impersonation of Joe Biden do you prefer? Jim Carrey's or Jason Sudeikis? And maybe even running third, I see somebody on my Twitter popped up with Woody Harrelson. Who who of those three guys do you prefer to see doing your Joe Biden impersonation in the next four years? I am a Jason Sudeikis kind of guy. I, I like him. I, I think Jim Carrey is wildly talented. I think it's it. But I think those choices are how you, where, wherever your leanings are, whatever your, your choices depend on the lines that are written. And that, that's where you, that's where you go. If you want Joe Biden as some kind of more uh, edgier, if you want him you know, crazy, somnambulant. If you want him as just a lunatic old man, then you might go Jim Carrey. So I think it depends on the sketch and the lines. 
This is what I like about me. I only look at politics through the eyes of comedy. So this is not a political <laughs> statement. True. This is this is what it is. And look, the the Trump with Alec Baldwin was. Un, I don't know if it'll ever get better. I mean, that was Ooh. that was great. I mean, Trump provided entertainment for four years. I don't know that Biden can pull off the same, but I too prefer the, the Jason Sudeikis more aggressive, more touchy feely impersonation. But I, he's just not that anymore. That's the thing. Is is actually, it, it's it's sort of like the Daryl Hammond impersonations, where Jim Carrey actually does a better like actual impersonation, but the caricature that Jason Sudeikis does is is more entertaining. But he's not that anymore. Like Joe is kind of like not as aggressive and and um, uh, aggressive as he once was. But anyway, that's it. That's all I want to talk about, I have, comedy now, now and politics. I have a politics. question for you, Mark. I have a question. Please. Did, did, you, did you collect baseball cards? Do you still collect baseball no, cards? No, never did. Never, never did. I just wasn't a, an organized enough person to do that. Like, that's not the way my brain works. I would buy them and chew the piece of gum, but no, I uh-huh. never collected baseball. My brother did. My brother, my younger brother Brian did, and he'd get, like, the... The full sets every year. I never understood what the hell he was doing, but I no, I did not. You? Well, I did. I did. I collected. I don't say collected them in any. You know, you used you used an interesting word, organized. I never did that as organized. I just opened the packs. I ate the gum. I looked at who I got, and I didn't. I wanted to trade people, get rid of cards whose names I couldn't pronounce, which is why I wanted to constantly get rid of Carl Yastrzemski because I couldn't pronounce his name. <laughs> However, today, on my Twitter machine, popped up a picture that should be a baseball card. And I, that's why I bring up baseball card collecting. I think everybody would want this. It was provided by Keith Olbermann. I don't know if you saw this. I don't know if our audience saw this. But it is a tremendous opportunity to make a baseball card and collectible and whatever you want. But um, a a gentleman named Joe Biden is wearing a Philadelphia Phillies uniform for a congressional softball game. This is in the 1970s. In the 1970s, as a member of this, as a player on the field in this congressional softball game, Joseph Biden is wearing a Phillies uniform with the number 46. Oh my, okay, I disconnected the dots. Well, 30 How about that? Four, yeah. You, you, um, you understand decades when you say, ago. Yeah. When when you say four years, of course, it, you're saying the 46th president. You know where my brain went when you said 46? Immediately to Doug Plank in the 46 Bears defense. That's right. I mean, like my brain is so Bears or in in 46. That's what I identify 46 with. So took me a second to catch up, but I got it. I connected your okay. dots. Very good. Well, Steve. I'm glad you. I, I know you would connect the dots. We we <clears throat> practice that a lot here. So uh, we are we we are broadcasting live from Hyundai our Hyundai studios. Brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Uh, our text number is the same as our breaking. Phone call number 312-644-6767. You can text us, and the text zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at rosenhyundai.com. 
And should you dial that same number, 312-644-6767, and want to talk to us on the radio, we have a breaking caller sounder, and Trash Panda, our producer, will will introduce you to us so that we may we may proceed with the call. And I know Trash Panda always leaves. He gets sick of us after an hour, and then he gets replaced by somebody. Trash Panda, who's replacing you? When you bolt at noon. So uh, I, I have to put up with you guys for two hours today, actually. I'm here until oh. 1. So sorry. I'm sorry to break that to you. Yeah, I know. No, I'm sorry for you. Oh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really a loss for me. But yes. Mike Rankin's so. going to be in after me. Oh, nice guy, Mike. I like Mike Rankin. Mike's a good guy. He's yeah. a nice guy. Who, whose cornflakes did he urinate in to get stuck producing <laughs> Saturday Sunday? They put all the new kids with us. You know how you it know, is. Do you know? Okay. All right, so we have what our plans are is we're going to talk about the Bears offensive line right now and then again at noon with Jay Hilgenberg. Jay Hilgenberg, a member of the Bears offensive line that would lead the league in time of possession five straight years and would make Mark Rohde's 46 defense a powerhouse because they would run the ball and give the defense time to rest and the current coach has no idea what a running game is. And at noon, uh, that's at noon, at 1, we will talk with Paul Sullivan of my former Chicago Tribune. We will talk about Tony La Russa, and I know, Mark, you have a Tony La Russa topic you wanted to bring up. And basically, Sully said, he's the manager, deal with it. And, and it's not that simple, but it is that simple. We'll talk to Sully about that. We'll also come back with what Mark heard, one of our new segments and what Mark heard through the week, and boy, was this a week. Can we start with, what do we know? Can we take attendance? Can we take attendance of the Bears' offensive line or the Bears' offensive side of the ball? Do we? What, what do we know today, Mark? All right. Hey, we're all about projections during this season. <laughs> yes, and I do hard. have a, I can give you my projected offensive line. To get people caught up, as you said, yeah. Steve, both both centers are out for the Bears. Cody Whitehair, COVID-19. So he, and that became official yesterday. We've known for like three days, but the Bears were not uttering those specific words until yesterday. So that did become official yesterday. Cody Whitehair will not play because he has COVID-19. Sam Mustafer is, is out, been ruled out with an injury. He's got a knee injury. So now I think Alex Bars is going to be the centerman. I'll say centerman for, centerman. for the Bears. He'll be taking because, the face-offs. Yeah, he'll be taking the face He's Alex Bars rhymes with Alex Jamnoff. Wow. Did I just do <laughs> wow. that? I just did that. That, that was, was a reach. That, that felt good. I don't know why. But anyway, I mean, who would have thought you'd get a, a – Bears, 90s Blackhawks, or no, they're more like 2000s Blackhawks, right? Jamnoff, like the early No, 2000s. mid-90s, traded, traded for, for Roenick in oh, the yeah. mid-90s. Oh, of course. Ron, of course Roenick of course. was told he would be a, a hawk for life until he asked for actual money, and Bill Ward said, okay, I lied, forget it, trade a sorry butt. So he did the Phoenix. So that's Anyway, I, I saw, I, I witnessed uh, Alex Bars working at center in the end zone a couple hours before the game last week. So that was kind of a giveaway that, that Alex Bars was going to be the backup to Sam Mustafer on that day. So I would assume, I'm going to connect dots again, that Alex Bars 
will be the centerman for the Bears. Now, you will have you still have Charles Leno in place at left tackle. He is there. Um, let's swing it over to let's just let's just bounce around. Let's go over to right tackle. And I have I have projected I have projected to have Rashad Coward at right tackle because that's where he's been working out this year in practice and in training camp this year. So I'm thinking it's going to be Rashad. And then I think your guards will be Jermaine Effetti. He slides back in at his usual spot because he's okay. He's good to go. I should have pointed that out as well. So mm-hmm. you do have Jermaine Effetti. And then I do think that we are going to see the first NFL start for one Arlington Hambright, a seventh-round guard slash tackle in his college days at Colorado. He will be a starter, and you will have Lachavius Pig Simmons backing him up. We, we both love the whole idea of an Arlington Hambright. It's a it's a hedge fund. It's a law firm. It's whatever you want it to be. It's a brilliant we name. It's a brilliant name. We don't name. know if it'll be a left, a left guard. Um, so, so this is so dangerous and so bad against a real NFL team. But the Titans defense is not a real NFL defense. And it's getting worse. That's mm-hmm. the good news for the Bears. That defense... That is just that is bad and awful is getting worse because the Jadavian Clowney prospect is this pass rusher is dealing with a meniscus issue in his knee, according to Good Morning Football. So everything's on the table from surgery to not surgery to whatever, but he's questionable tomorrow. He's trying to fight through it. This is what the Bears are facing. The Titans defense that is tied for second fewest sacks with just seven. And we just talked about Clowney, who is supposed to change that, and he hasn't. Yeah, he ain't been good anyway. They allow an average of 4.7 yards per carry. For Matt Nagy's edification, per carry is a reference to the rushing game, where you hand the ball to your running back, and he runs behind an offensive line, and they open holes. And it's a it's mm-hmm. a very unique thing to offenses around the league, Matt Nagy, a running game. Anyways, they're the sixth worst in the league, Tennessee is. They've also allowed 17 passing TDs. That's tied for fourth worst in the league. They allow 60%. I mean, you have to be sitting down for this. Titans allow 60% of third downs to be converted. Absolutely the worst in the league. So is the Bears' wonky offensive line an excuse to suck against the defense that is disembarrassing? How do you handicap it, Mark? Yeah, I it, everything you said, spot on. Now, last week against the Saints, one thing that we heard, or the one little bit of optimism about playing the Saints that we heard was, the Saints give up a lot of explosive plays, and the Bears did exploit that. They had an explosive play last week. A couple of them, actually. <laughs> the Darnell Mooney play, the David Montgomery run. So there were some things, there were some tells in that game that came to be. And now you do have a situation where the Tennessee Titans have lost two in a row. One of their losses was to a really bad team, and that was the Cincinnati Bengals to whom they lost 31-20 to last week. So I, I actually do, 
I'm, I'm talking a lot to lead up to it because it's not a popular opinion, but I do think that the Bears will be able to exploit some things on that Tennessee defense. And I do think, here's the and here's why, here's really why, because this is a week where Matt Nagy will have to change. He'll have to change the timing of his plays. You know, the whole Nick Foles saying to Matt Nagy, I don't have enough time to run these plays. This is the week where Matt Nagy knows that already. Like, there's no, like, maybe all these guys, maybe this is a great configuration of the offensive line and these guys will thrive, but you can't assume that. So I do think that Matt Nagy's playbook is going to look a lot different and the timing is going to be a lot different. It's going to be get rid of the ball, get rid of the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, um, use David Montgomery out of the backfield in the passing game and in the running game. Use your tight ends more, assuming there's health of the tight ends because Cole Komet has a groin injury. There's going to be a lot of quick hits, a lot of quick hits in this game you're not going to see the the although we'd like to see them throw way down the field I just don't know that that's realistic to think that you could do that right away so I think there's going to be success in getting rid of the ball quickly and maybe accidentally work work well with what Nick Foles would prefer to do move fast short passes quick hits run the ball all that kind of stuff well that would put Foles in the position of being more the offensive coordinator, and that's something Matt Nagy does not want to give up, and, and that's a problem. I think that's a flashpoint of an, of an issue. <clears throat> here's why. Here's why I think, and I'm, I'm bringing this to you from the, from, uh, the, from the athletic. That bad Bengals team you talked about that beat the Titans last week, they came into that game. They went into that game with an offensive line similar to the Bears' issues. They had one starter scheduled to start to to be in the uh, one one offensive line starter scheduled to be able to play, and then even he couldn't play. So they turned to practice squad guys, and they signed a guy off the, the Quentin Spain that was signed off the, the after being cut by the Bills. So they had five new players on that offensive line. The Bengals did. Hmm. And Joe Burrow went without a sack. He threw for 249 yards, two touchdowns, finished with a passer rating of 106.7. The Bengals also ran for 118 yards and two TDs on 32 carries. This tells you there's no excuses for Matt Nagy, for Foles, that they, especially for Matt Nagy, it, it is a, a referendum on his both play calling and ability to recognize the game in front of him. Because this is not an excuse when a team supposedly worse than them, the Bengals, does to Tennessee with the same situation. I just, I just don't see that being a legitimate a legitimate excuse, and I know that it's a it's going to be a handy one. Should the Bears lose, I don't see how. I don't see that. It's a winnable game. It really, yeah, no, it's it it's because we haven't talked about this all week because this entire week has been about <laughs> the injuries. It's been about other COVID. things, hasn't it? Yeah, it's really been it's it's been crazy how little I've actually had a chance to talk about this matchup and this game. But, yeah, there's no doubt that it's winnable. The Tennessee Titans do have the best player on the field. There's no doubt about that in Derrick Henry. 
and that has to be taken extremely seriously. Um, and while we're at it, you know, Ryan Tannehill has been very good this year. I think his touchdown to interceptions ratio. Let me look right here. Um, I believe it is 17 to three. Yeah, 17 to three um, touchdowns to interceptions, while Nick Foles is is eight to seven. Man, this that that is one time. I mean, there's so many stats you could look at when it comes to quarterbacks, but those that's the one I've chosen. Nick Foles, eight touchdowns, seven interceptions. Ryan Tannehill, 17 touchdowns, three interceptions. So they do have they've got the quarterback running back thing down, and they got a big receiver in Corey Davis who is very good as well, who was over 100 yards receiving last week for Tennessee. So there are some things. I'm really looking forward to seeing how the defense handles Derrick Henry because the evidence would suggest they're going to struggle against Derrick Henry because they have struggled against a lot of running backs that were not Derrick Henry this year and have given up a ton of explosive plays. And, uh, you know, we saw it last week with Alvin Kamara. You can go through every game, it seems like, this year, and there have been explosive runs by running backs against the Bears' defense. So that truly has to – I mean, they always – Every coach is going to say every week, "Oh, we got to stop the run. We got to stop the run." And you're like, "Okay, all right." But this week, yeah, you got to stop the run. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Stopping the run would be one thing. Uh, that keep the defense off the field, and the the offense. Well, we need to review Matt Nagy's Matt Nagy's control of the team. And Matt Nagy's coaching, because he's headed. I don't. I don't think there's even an argument that he's not a bad coach, and things are devolving. So I'll give you my reasons, and I want your answers to them after we take this break and we come back from that here on uh, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. Welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Brody with you. Saturday suckage. On a day when we saw what should be a future baseball card of then member of Congress, Joe Biden wearing a Philadelphia Phillies uniform and a uniform jersey had number 46 on it. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. Mark, here's my, here's my issue. Here's my thing. I, your guy, Dave Wanstead, and the current Bears coach have a lot in common. They are voluble. They love to talk. They love to talk football. They're people you want to, really, people you want to have a beer with or a cheeseburger. And you want them to succeed. They're generous with their time. I just look at Matt Nagy. And I see him as a bad coach getting worse. I, I see it. They lead the league in penalties. They, they come out of halftime and they're the worst team in the league out in the third quarter. And last week against the Saints at home, they went punt, ejection, interception, punt, no points. How's that calibration thing coming? On the first series... The Bears couldn't get a playoff on third and four from the 32, delay a game penalty. Then you're going to see a sack. You're going to see, and, and it's suddenly it's third and a mile. Last four plays of the game, it's overtime. You're at home. Miller bobble, Graham drop, 
full sack, punt, and then you give Drew Brees the ball. You're following a – I mean, this was a game where Troy Aikman, on a national broadcast, was criticizing the team for having essentially a lack of urgency, a lack of energy. Called them lackadaisical. There's no hurry up there and not the hurry-up offense. They got punched in the mouth one week. They showed a lack of, I don't know, interest the next. The head coach can't identify a bad play caller, and he's not changing things. These same disciplines, these same problems, that can't execute. The discipline is not there. It may be getting worse. And you've, you've got times where they're in the red zone inside the 10-yard line and Jimmy Graham's not on the field when that's the only reason you really have Jimmy Graham. I just think this is this is a bad head coach who can't who often cannot get his team to execute. And I don't know if you see it descending, if you see the same old problems, you're closer to it, you talk to these people more than I do, but I just see a coach who does not seem to have an ability to change to, to make a team disciplined, to get them to execute the minimum that a coach should be able to do on top of coaching the game that's there. So any or all of my points out of line, how do you feel about that? It's absolutely the same old thing. And we're at a point where last week, Matt Nagy was talking about one of the positives being the running game because a guy had 79 yards rushing. You know, I mean... That's where it has gotten, and this is when you've been asking the same que- same problems, we've been asking the same questions, even in 2018, when they had the 12 wins, it was still there were still four or five questions after every winning press conference, and I might say winning, the Bears win the game, and then we talk to Nagy on Monday, and it's yay, yay, yay. But then there's four or five questions about, okay, so we got through another Eddie Jackson pick six and Khalil Mack with two sacks and a strip sack and all. What about the offense? What about um, the fact that the running game was not working? And it, it's, it has been the, the kind of the same answer all along. We know we've got to get it right. It's scheme. They are very careful, it seems like, the Bears have been, to not blame publicly the actual running backs involved. Like, they've been still very complimentary of David Montgomery, bringing it back to 2020. But, yeah, when you're asking the same questions for three years about an offense, then it's hard to it's hard to go against the points you just made. Again, the good news is I think that because of the reconfiguration of the offensive line and potentially having a rookie and a guy playing tackle and Rashad Coward, who has not done a lot of it in the actual games, that Matt Nagy will realize that he has to change some things, so you might actually see something different. And this is like like Matt Nagy has been somewhat resistant to change. I mean, he changed some things last year, but especially after the Saints game, the seven carries for 19 yards game, or was it 17 yards? And I think that this is the game, the Tennessee game, where he's going to have to be like, all right, I can't do that, can't do that, can't. I I have to let these Nick Foles get rid of the ball quickly. I've got to hand the ball off. That's the only way we're going to win. So. I think that's the good news in this regard. But, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think Matt Nagy's a bad coach. I won't take it that far. But I, I do think he's had trouble adjusting to the talent that he has. And when you in essentially have one super talented, legitimate offensive player, and that was and still is Allen Robinson, that's it. 
I do think he's a bad coach because he can't recognize he's got a bad play caller there. And, and the, when you see repeated lack of discipline, repeated penalties, when you see so many things being, being Groundhog's Day, this, that's, to me, that's a sign of a bad coach. That's an inability to clean up something that you, you should have done into this for one week. And you know what really, last week, it really made me, it may be crazy, and it might just be me, it might be somewhat of a, a somewhat of a recency bias because quotes tend to stick with me and, and certain, certain, the framework of certain coaches tends to stick with me. But Maggie said that I thought it was a good week of practice. The tempo was great. It was fast. There was good execution. Things were good, but it's not clicking right now. I couldn't help but think of Mark Tressman and the craziness of, well, we had a good week of practice. And I say, like, oh, my God, you just you're not. Maybe he doesn't know what he's seeing in practice. Maybe he doesn't know what he which transfers over to a game. And I think that's a that's just a bad deal. And when you talk about I think you're right. That, that now he's in a position where Foles is going to have to get rid of the ball quickly. And we talked about the running game. Well, the tight ends are going to be a part of that. So run down the status of we got Jimmy Graham, who coming off a bad week and can't block, and Demetrius Harris and Cole Komet, who was listed as, was it questionable? Is yep. it still questionable? Still questionable, so that's going to be... We'll find out about 10.45 tomorrow morning if Cole Komet is active. But yeah, he's got a groin injury, so he's not practiced this week, which is not a good sign for Cole Komet. Yeah, Demetrius Harris is not a guy... He is not exactly putting together a lot of trust with quarterbacks in terms of the drops that he's had so far this year. And Jimmy Graham has not been... You know, he's been good in the red zone and then has struggled elsewhere in terms of whether it's timing with his quarterback. I mean, right from the very start this year. Remember when he was mistiming leaps? Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Right? So, I mean, I think Jimmy Graham is kind of what they expected, that here, here's a guy who's a little bit older now, but he's still an absolute force and weapon in the red zone, but he is not the same for the full 100-yard field. So... Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, I don't know. You know what? I, you know, it just dawns on me. J.P. Holt still plays for the Chicago Bears. And um, last year. <laughs> Hello. You know? I mean, who knows? I mean, because remember, it was after the Saints game last year when the Bears had that crazy low amount of rushes and runs that all of Seven a sudden, rushes. hey, here's J.P. Holtz. Here's yep. an extra offensive lineman. And all of a sudden, J.P. Holtz somehow, someway became your your leading receiver in the tight ends. But we haven't seen much of him other than special teams. But J.P. Holtz is still out there. I do wonder if maybe there is something for him. I mean, you don't want him to be the guy that is leading you. But he's good for a quick hit. He's good at getting open and being tough in the middle. So if if you don't have Cole Komet, even if you do have Cole Komet, Maybe it's time to break out of J.P. Holtz again. Well, I was more concerned with the ability to block. Jimmy Graham can't be on the field. When you're talking about the running game, getting the running game going, making bigger deal of the running game that 
because Matt Nagy swears he's not an idiot, although he shows it too often, that the, if the running game is going to be a force, then you you have to have, a, you're, you're better off having two tight ends who can block, especially with this offensive line the way it is that you need. That, that will help. The more blockers there, the better chance Montgomery has of actually being a runner and gaining yards and... Right. He doesn't even even need explosive plays. If you just look at that that defense for Tennessee, they allow an average of 4.7 yards per carry. But we saw that against the Saints, and the and the Saints were a crappy defense, and the Bears were just not not going to kill it the way they needed to kill it. And this would be there would be greater emphasis on this on the running game this week, and even still greater emphasis because you don't want Derrick Henry on the field. You don't want, I mean, who's playing nose guard for the, who's going to be nose guard for the Bears defensive line? Who's going to be in the Bilal. middle of that thing where Derrick Henry's going to be? Yeah, that'd be Bilal, I would think. Bilal Nichols for the most part, but they've moved him all over the line. Yeah. I mean, Akeem Hicks has a lot of responsibility for attempting to start stop the run. Are they going to bring extra guys up into the safeties? I mean, you're going to see Tashawn Gibson's going to become a bigger part of stopping the run. Obviously, yeah, Roquan, I think, you know, Roquan Smith going to be doing a lot of chasing and tackling, hopefully. Um, that is the case. But, yeah, they, they have to. I think all those obvious things are going to be in play. You know what I mean? Stack in the box, having, you know, ha- having him accounted for at all times. Because, like we said, that has been, still surprisingly, still a little bit jarring to me, but that's been a weakness of the Bears, giving up explosive plays to running backs and letting running backs run on them, which didn't happen in 2018. It started to happen a little bit last year, but even not, not to the degree it has been this year. So, But I'm actually looking forward to watching Derrick Henry. You know what I mean? Like, I... I don't want to see him trample the Bears, but he is he's a unique guy, man. I mean, you just, like, I, I've been asking a lot of players and coaches, who's your comp for this guy? And the only names that kind of come up are Eddie George, um, Brandon Jacobs. Was that the old Giants oh, running back? Oh, yeah, and Brandon he, Jacobs with, with thighs that could, that could house a family of four, yep. But he wasn't in the same class as no. I mean he was for maybe a couple of years, but yep. not like Derrick Henry. But yeah, Eddie George and I, I mean I, I I'm stopping there. I mean Eric Dickerson was a pretty big running back, right? Wasn't he like a good six two? He was an upright runner. Yes, you know he, he, he was, and well Earl not Campbell's that size. the one who could hurt you. Earl Campbell was the one who, yeah. who could who could posterize you. Um, but was he that tall? Just, was Isaiah Earl Campbell? Robertson. Was was Earl Campbell six over six feet even? I, I, I don't I don't know. I have to look. Um, I don't I don't he, think of him. Seems, I think of him. He always seemed to loom large. That's all I can say. Super, there's a hu- superhumanness about that. He was so, more like a Herschel Walker or Bo Jackson type. You know what I mean? Speed and power. Like like run you over or run around you. That that's what I think of when I think of Earl Campbell. Like he was the early prototype of those guys to come like there's Earl Campbell and then there was Bo Jackson and then and they were better versions obviously Bo Jackson especially and then Herschel Walker but Earl Campbell was listed by pro football reference at 5'11 132 pounds and all of it was in his thighs yeah yeah he was built kind of like 
Walter Payton yeah. to some degree, bigger. Yeah. But Payton was about that height, and he had huge thighs as well. Like Payton wasn't huge upper body, but the them legs, man, and those and yeah. that helped him to never really go down if he didn't feel like it. I don't remember. I did cover Eric Dickerson, but I don't remember. And just famously, after this, they came back from the strike, and he said, "Let coach run 47 gap," which is eventually what got him <laughs> traded. He's talking about John Robinson. Let coach run. Yeah, Dickerson was 6'3", 220. So yeah, he's four inches taller than Earl Campbell and 12 pounds, 12 pounds lighter. But yeah, and that is the height, at least, of. Derrick Henry, he's six three, but he's he's bigger. And Dickerson wasn't small, don't get me wrong, but Dickerson was he was an upright runner. Like he wasn't the typical running back that you like a David Montgomery who runs low, you know. Yeah, Eric and he had the high leg kick. So you got six three, two hundred and forty seven of Derrick Henry, and that's yeah. what that's 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 the thing. So That's the thing. That's the thing. That's the reason you gotta keep him off the field. And, and the best way to keep him off the field is running the ball yourself and minimize that. And and so we, we talked about a bad Bears offense, about a Bears, bad Bears defense. Let's let's continue this discussion. We'll take a break. When we come back, continue the discussion. The, 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 the Bears defense against Tractor Rosito. Tractor Cito. That's what Pro Football Reference lists Derek Henry's nickname as. Tractor Cito, little tractor. <laughs> Just in case you needed to know. He's Mark Grody. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Welcome and welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Grody with you. Saturday 2nd, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We will talk to Jay Hilgenberg as part of the WBBM pregame, halftime, postgame group. Uh, our brother station, 780 AM, 105.9 FM. We'll talk to him at noon about off the offensive line and the Bears' prospects and what are they doing, Wagner. Um, the scores, Bet Rivers pregame show presented by MailMedChicago.com. That begins at 9 a.m., Tomorrow, Habarka, Sholan Cruz, Patrick Manley, and that guy Mark Grody right over there, they'll bring it to you. Listen live on 670 The Score and the Radio.com app. Get the latest on the inactives, the keys to the game, all the Bears news. And so we talked about lousy offense versus lousy defense. Now you have a really good offense in Tennessee and a really good defense for the Bears. And Tennessee's got some some. They they don't complete. They're not they're not among the league leaders in completion percentage. Mark, their completion percentage is 67 percent. Um, yep. 67.1, which is outside the top 10. But but their their quarterback rating is fifth 109.3. So there's that, and they have a. They're tied for second with um, play, with six plays over four, 40 yards or more. At tied for second in the league, and their their sack total is at nine. They're tied for second fewest. So this this will so scout the Bears defense against this kind of offense. 
Yeah, and as I talked about, I think what brings up the you talked about the 67.4 completion percentage for Ryan Tannehill, you know, not top 10, but I brought up the statistic earlier, the incredibly efficient touchdowns to interceptions. This is not a guy who has been easy to pick off this year. 17 touchdowns to three interceptions. So that's not mm-hmm. necessarily a, an area in which you can look and say, oh, we can exploit that. Turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. That's always in play. But they, Ryan Tannehill has like perfected game manager. You know, we don't hear that terminology as much as, as we once did, but Ryan Tannehill has, has settled into a really nice career and a really nice way of doing things. And I do think that that is going to be a challenge for the Bears defense and what they like to do because they are, even even when the Bears were at their elite status in 2018 and then maybe maybe some of 2019, that one of the areas where teams could exploit them a little bit was the quick hits, was tire them out. Tire them out if you can. Get them on their heels a little bit. Don't get them thinking about interceptions and forcing turnovers. Don't let them think. And that and that is something that Ryan Tannehill and that offense can exploit. And then it and then again, it keeps coming back full circle to Derrick Henry, who could tire out any defense. <laughs> yes, and and that figures to be the case. That's um, that's a a that's a load as we discussed and. And the, the running game overall is averaging 5.1 yards per carry, the Tennessee running game, and that's tied for third in the NFL. And that's so you're halfway there, average halfway to a first down, and that's that's a considerable thing. And the Bears are the Bears have not been as as solid and locked down against the run as you want them so so they haven't earned the right to rush the passer as much and that's the way things have to work and and yeah that's certainly the bears that's the best side of the ball and that's tennessee's best side of the ball it's just going to be a weird thing of our best against your best kind of both teams looking at each other and then our worst against your worst and the bears offense against tennessee's defense I, it's just a weird way to go into the game, I guess. Yeah, Better and there's it. been games this year where the Bears have had those kind of matchups and they weren't ex- able to exploit it, as in the opposing team's defense was not particularly good. Now, they did, like I said, last week against Saints, they were able to do some things that the Saints typically had allowed teams to do up until that point. The explosive plays, Darnell Mooney, mm-hmm. 50 yards. The David Montgomery, 79 yards rushing, which sounds ridiculous to call an accomplishment, but it was. It was. And the running game figured some things out, I suppose. I don't know, figured some things out. They were successful to some degree last week. So at least the Bears saw the areas last week where the opposition was vulnerable, and they exploited it. And now they have a chance to do that again this week against the Tennessee Titans defense and it is it is ironic to say too that this game the bears offense could probably be the side of the ball for the bears which thrives better than the bears defense because i just keep worrying about the henry factor and Tannehill. and you know the the things i was saying i I don't know if you agree or not with me on Tannehill, but i just don't think a quarterback like that is is a great matchup for the bears the bears are better when it's a more of a drop back you know dare I say Tom Brady type of quarterback 
in, as opposed to, to Tannehill, who the, can do the quick hits. And he's got, obviously, he's got some mobility, and then he's got that running back to, to toss to. There's no question he's going to be a, a problem because of Derrick Henry because there's so much concentrated on that, and they're going to run them, and, you, and the Bears certainly can't can't avoid that. You can't take a playoff. You can't ignore him. You have to account for, for three guys on Derrick Henry every play. That's what it will likely take to bring him down, and that makes every quarter. That would even make a Bears quarterback better with any coach who believed in a running game, and you start there. You don't end there, and you start there and stick with it. That's the Matt Nagy, the... The, the fact that Derrick Henry's on the other side is the best reason for the Bears to run the ball and run the ball and shorten the game and keep him off the field. And you're right, Derrick, the, the Ryan Tannehill becomes a lot smarter with Derrick Henry running the ball and gashing him for their running game gets five yards a carry the way they've averaged. That's going to be bad news. So we'll, we'll find out whether the Bears can, in fact, should, in fact, run the ball, emphasize run the ball. What should they do with this kind of offensive line and these kind of mix-and-match pieces? We'll talk to a former great offensive lineman for the Bears after this break. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 